uh, for that. But anyway, the Mount of Transfiguration happens. Then we come back down off of the mountain. Jesus, yes, Peter, and James, and John. That would have left nine disciples at the bottom of the, of the mountain there. Twelve and all, three of them were on the mountain with Jesus. And they come down off of the mountain. And that's where we're going to pick up reading here. Uh, Mark chapter 9 and verse 14 says, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked, for, and he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit, and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answereth him and said, saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oftentimes it hath cast him in, into the fire and into the waters uh, to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Yes. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Amen. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. And that brings us to the end of that passage and the end of that uh, chapter as well. And uh, uh, the, here we, uh, again, we have Jesus. He had just come down off of uh, what's commonly referred to as the Mount of Transfiguration. He and Peter and James and John come down, and what does he find? He finds a, a scene of disarray. He finds a scene of confusion. Uh, his disciples would have been confused as to why Jesus Christ had given them power to cast out unclean spirits and yet they couldn't cast one out, and uh, the, the scribes were there, and they would have been ridiculing the disciples, saying, see, this Jesus Christ isn't whom you thought that he was. He's not as powerful as you thought that he was. This would have been the thoughts of the scribes towards the disciples. The disciples would have been confused, and Jesus comes down off of the Mount of Transfiguration into this mess, and it says when the people saw him, when the multitude, they laid eyes on him, it says that they were amazed, folks. Why would they have been amazed? Well, remember Jesus Christ just come down off of this mount after being transfigured in front of Peter and James and John. I would assume it was much like Moses when he was up on the mountain. And when he come down off of the mountain, the glory of God was still shining 
line off of his face. There must have been something about Jesus while these people would have beheld him and seen him and being, being amazed at how he looked. And this multitude, they flocked to Jesus and therefore they would have flocked to Peter and James and John as well as they would have been with him. But they come and Jesus Christ is seen here and he asked them, he asked the scribes, he says, what question ye with them? What kind of, what are, what are you asking them? What's the problem here? Is what Jesus Christ was saying. And there was, the problem was that there was a man in the crowd, remember, in the scripture that we just read, that, that he asked the question to the scribes. What's this, what are you questioning my disciples about? What's the matter here? What's going on? But there was one from the crowd after the scribes didn't answer and after the disciples didn't give him an answer there was one from the crowd that said Lord I brought my, my son I brought this one that's been throwing fits since he was a youth I brought this one that is possessed obviously with a devil I brought this one that this devil he's casting cast my son into the fire he cast my son into the water and he means to destroy him and I brought him to your disciples because I'd heard that they had been casting out the unclean spirits. I'd heard they'd been doing these wonderful works and I knew that this was my opportunity to have my son healed, to have my son rectified, to have my son, to have this demon cast out of my son and I brought him to your disciples and your disciples could not cast this demon out. That's the, that's the summation of where we're at here in the scriptures. The scribes ridiculing the disciples. The disciples being confused. And I'm, I'm assuming the disciples being somewhat embarrassed. And Jesus Christ coming on the scene to make all things better. To make it all right. To, to, to make it the way the disciples could not. That's the summation of what we have here. And once again in verse 17, one of the multitude, not one of the scribes, one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee, I brought unto thee, my son. I brought unto you, Jesus, my son. He had showed up there. He had showed up, and Jesus was nowhere to be found. But he said, hey, these disciples, they've been doing the works as well. Jesus has given them power to do this same work. But he said, I originally brought him to you because, folks, this shows this man's faith. We read just a little while ago that the man said, I believe, Lord, help thou my unbelief. He had faith in Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ could heal his son, that Jesus Christ could toss this demon out of his son and make him well and make him whole. But he says, I brought unto thee my son which hath a dumb spirit and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him and he foameth and he gnasheth with his teeth and he pineth away. He said, my son acts crazy. My son acts mad. And after these fits that he takes and after these fits that he throws it says that he pines away he withers away and folks that means that his son was weak after the fact of these these fits that he was throwing after these fits that this demon that was inside of him was causing him to throw and made his son weak 
It made him pine away, and I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answereth him, and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. Hey, the disciples had their chance here. The disciples all had their opportunities to cast out this demon, but it would take Jesus Christ to make it all right. I don't know the scripture doesn't tell us maybe the disciples uh, got too much into themselves. Maybe they hadn't prayed. Jesus told them at the end of the passage that some of these things only come out by fasting and by praying. Maybe they hadn't been praying. Maybe they hadn't been fasting. But either way, it would take Jesus Christ to cast the demon out of this boy, cast the demon out of this child, out of this young man, however old he was, Jesus asked the man, how long ago did this come unto him? And the man said, as a child, so we can assume this this young man was at least in his teen years, at least that old. But either way, this had been tormenting the child. And in turn, it had been tormenting the father as well. It had been causing the father much havoc in his life. And it would take Jesus to make it all right. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Speak to our disciples that they should cast him out. And they could not. He answered them and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? Notice here in this verse, in verse 19, he says, he answereth him. There's some debate in the theological realm as to who Jesus was talking about when he says, O faithless generation. Now, a generation is more than one person. But he says he answers him. He answers the boy's, uh, the boy's father that said that I brought my son unto thee. He answered him in this manner, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. It says, when he saw him, when the spirit that was in this boy, when the unclean spirit, when the demon, when the devil saw Jesus Christ coming, coming that way, when he saw him, it says that he tear at the boy and he threw him to the ground and the boy was wallowing and he was foaming at the mouth. Hey, folks, this child was in a state, this young man was in a state that he could do nothing about. Obviously, his father could do nothing about it. Obviously, the very disciples of Jesus Christ could do nothing about it. I want you to know if you're here this morning and you are lost if you've never known Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you've never been born again, there ain't nothing that the preacher can do. There is nothing that any disciple within these walls can do for you. The only one that can save your soul. The only one that can make you new and pure and whole is Jesus Christ. And it is Jesus Christ alone that can do this for you. We can pray for you. 
We can lay hands on people. We can pray. We can beg. And we can plead. But we cannot save souls. The disciples of Jesus Christ cannot save souls. I don't care if it's somebody that's been preaching for 70 years. It is impossible for a finite human being to save a man's soul. It takes the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit of God to get inside your heart. It takes the work yes. of the Holy Ghost to tear that heart open so that the gospel seed can fall in there and it can find good ground. And when it finds that good ground, hey, it might produce fruit for the kingdom that God has promised to come. But it is only God and only God that can do this. It is only He through Jesus Christ, through his shed blood that can make you whole, that can make you pure, that can wash away your sins, that can throw your sins into a sea of forgetfulness, that can cast them as far as the east is from the west. It is only God through Jesus Christ that can do that. This man here, he was unable to help his son. God help him. He was unable to help his son. So they brought him to him. When he saw him straightway, the spirit tarried him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed upon him. This is, this is very close to the same symptoms that we find in people with epilepsy nowadays. Very close. I'm not saying that's what was wrong with this boy. I'm saying that's very close to, uh, very similar to symptoms of what we know as nowadays as epilepsy. The the wallowing on the ground, the seizing, the foaming at the mouth. And it makes me wonder though, it really makes me wonder now, I understand there are true medical conditions. There are true mental, mental, uh, mental conditions. There are true physical conditions. I understand all that and I get all that and I'm not downing that at all. But it really makes me wonder how many people in the, in the past say 100 years, have been diagnosed with some kind of condition when all it was that they had a demon that was trapped inside of them. They had a demon that was throwing them down. They had a demon that was causing them to wallow on the ground. And the doctors and the physicians, they look at them and they say, oh, he's got this problem. He's got that problem. Like I said, I understand there are true medical conditions. I've got one. Most of you have probably got one. And I'm, I'm not downplaying that a bit, but it makes me wonder because these symptoms were so similar. How many people may have been diagnosed with a physical ailment when their real problem was a spiritual ailment? Their real problem was that Satan had gotten inside in form of a demon. When a devil gets inside and he rents you and he throws you to and fro and he throws you on the ground and he causes you to foam at the mouth and he causes you to act what most people would consider crazy Hey folks, when it's a devil doing that, there is only one remedy for it, and that is the man, Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can help. They brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him and fell on the ground and water, foaming. And he asked his father, how, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oft times have cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If thou canst do anything, 
have compassion on us. Folks, he's already told Jesus Christ. He said, I brought him unto thee. I brought him here because I heard that you were here. I brought him here because I heard that you were in the midst. He's already made the confession that shows that he, that he had faith in the works of Jesus Christ. He had faith in what Jesus Christ could do for his boy. Uh, he had faith in, in all these things. But it says, uh, if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us. He says, if thou canst do anything, if you can do anything, about this situation Lord I would greatly appreciate it if you can help my son I would, I would owe you everything and, but he tells the Lord he says have compassion upon us once again this boy wasn't the only one ailing from something his father would have been ailing if his mother was still around she would have been ailing because of it as well hey parents, hey grandparents uncles, aunts, if you you have children, grandchildren, nephews, and nieces that you know are wallowing around in their sin, that you know are out in the world, that you know are not born again and are not living for God. It should cause you to grieve and it should cause you to run to God and say, have compassion on me and them in this situation. We should be praying for them. We should be praying for them. Yes. So many times we want to do an all-inclusive prayer. So many times we want to say, Lord, save the lost. And that's all great and fine and well. Don't you get me wrong. That's all fine and well. But do we do that because we sincerely mean it? Or do we do it because we feel obligated to do it? Do you ever call out the names of your lost loved ones? Do you ever call out the names of your children that you know are wandering around in sin? Or your grandchildren? Or anybody else that's close to you that you love, that, you, that you've known all their lives? Or they've known you all their lives? Whatever the, whatever the case is, have you, do you call those names out unto God and you say, God, these people, they're, they're suffering. They've got demons. They've got sin. They're out in the world. They're not doing the things of God. They don't care about church. They don't care about the Bible. They don't care about me. They don't care about Christ. All they care about is fulfilling the lust of their own flesh. God, would you please get a hold of this heart? Only you can do it. Do we call out like that? Do we call out like that? This man brought his son to Jesus because he knew that Jesus could do something about it. He caught it casting in the fire and the waters to destroy him. Folks, the Bible teaches that the devil is out to steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible teaches that the devil, our adversary, is as a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. He is as a roaring lion, walking to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. It is his purpose. It is the purpose in his mind. It is his game. It is his intent to destroy God's creation. It is his intent to destroy the lost. It is his intent to cause havoc in our lives as born again 
became Christians, but it is his full intent and his purpose is to destroy and disrupt the lives of the creation of God, the lives of those who were created in the very image of God. That is his purpose here. That is the plan and that is the war that he has waged on God and God's people and God's servants and all of humanity is to grab as many people into hell with him as he can. That is his purpose here. And Jesus Christ is here to destroy, as we taught in Sunday school this morning, to destroy the works of the devil by taking our sins away, by forgiving us our sins. And if you have lost people in your family, in your life, you need to pray that God destroy the works of the devil in their heart, in their life, in their body, and in their mind, and, and, and complete his work of redemption in those people. Amen. Pray for the lost folks. Pray for the lost. Amen. <clears throat> Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. If thou canst believe, he asked, well, he didn't uh, uh, ask a question per se, but he said, If thou canst do anything, have compassion on us. What the man said to Jesus. Jesus says, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. He turns the if around back on the father of this boy, the father of this young man. Turns the if right back around. If thou canst believe. If you can only believe. Folks, that's all it takes. It takes belief. Yes, you must repent. You must repent. Jesus uh, Jesus. Uh, came in the very beginning of this gospel preaching repent and believe repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand the kingdom of God is near it's a, it's a repenting way and it's a believing way the gospel of Jesus Christ though is what we must believe we must believe in Jesus Christ to be saved to be spiritually saved we must believe in his work on the cross we must believe that it is all sufficient to wash away our sins we must believe that in the death of burial and the resurrection of the only begotten son of God and we must believe that he has ascended we must believe that he is coming back and when he does come back he doth judge and make war folks this is the Christ of the scriptures this is the Christ that we must believe and to be spiritually saved this is the Christ that we must have all of our faith in period thank you Lord if thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believeth all things all this man was asking for was that Christ saved his son from this life of torment Amen. by this demon that was inside Amen. of him. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. I've quoted this many times in preaching and teaching both this very line of scripture. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. It would do Christians well to dwell on this verse of scripture. Amen. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Saying, I believe in you, Jesus. This father here has been tormented for years. So tells Jesus Christ, I believe, but I need you to help me with my unbelief. 
if you're here this morning and you tell me you have a perfect faith in Jesus Christ, I will call you a liar. None of us have that perfect faith in Jesus Christ. We have enough faith to believe. The Bible talks about amen, uh, the measure of faith that is given unto men. The measure of faith. All of us are dealt the same measure of faith. Now listen, over time that faith can grow. It can grow more towards God. It can grow, grow more towards money. It can grow more towards all kinds of things. But it talks about the measure of faith. Folks, this man said, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. He said, I believe in you, Lord. I believe everything that I've heard about you. If I didn't believe this, I would have never brought my son unto thee. I would, have never, I would not have showed up here this day. Hey, Christians, if you but sometimes we put so much faith in our own belief that we forget about what we just don't believe about God. How many times have we prayed and got up knowing good and well that our prayer didn't go past the ceiling? How many times have we gotten up off of our knees thinking that was a waste of time because I don't believe that this is actually going to happen? That is unbelief. Yes. He says, I believe, Lord. Help thou. Unbelief. I believe in you, Christ, but I'm depending on you, Christ, to help me with that unbelief, Christ. Yes. I depend on God to help me with my unbelief. My faith ain't perfect. Your faith ain't perfect. Abraham's faith wasn't perfect. Moses' faith wasn't perfect. Paul's faith wasn't perfect. Peter, James, John, none of their faith was perfect. You look at Abraham, or Abram, where it became Abraham. When God called him out of her, when God originally called him out, and you don't read about it until you get over to the book of Acts, God had to call Abraham out twice. He only moved a little ways the first time, but he didn't go where God told him to. God told him, you get out. You go to a land that I'm going to show you. You go to a land that's going to be filled with milk and honey. You go on your way, and when you get there, I'll let you know took God twice to tell Abraham that. Moses certainly didn't have perfect faith. Moses had faith in God. He was a Hebrew, yes, and he had faith in God. But when God came to Moses and he said, go to Pharaoh and tell him, I said, to let my people go. What did Moses do? Moses wasted a bunch of time arguing with God. Hey, I shouldn't be the one doing this. I can't do this. I don't talk very plainly. I can't believe you're making me do this. He tried every way that he knew how to get out of it. And what did God tell Moses, though? He said, certainly I will be with thee. Moses said, how am I going to do this? And God said, certainly, I will be with thee. He didn't tell Moses how he was going to do it. He told him, I'll be with you. I will be with you all the way. I'll be with you on down into Egypt. I'll be with you when you stand before Pharaoh. I'll be with you when you tell him to let my people go. He didn't warn him about all the plagues. He didn't warn him about how much time he was going to be spending down there in Egypt. He just said, certainly, I will be with the Apples. That's all I got to bank on right now in this time which we live in now. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I don't know what ailments might hit me or might hit my family. And you don't know what ailments might hit you or your family. We don't know what the future holds, but praise God. I've got a promise in the scriptures that certainly my God will be with me. Certainly he'll be holding my hand all the way. Certainly he'll be abiding within me and I within him. Certainly he will bring me comfort. Certainly he will give me guidance. Certainly he will give me 
me everything that I need to sustain me. Hallelujah. Bless my God. Bless my God. Believe, Lord. Help thou my unbelief. We've all got unbelief inside of us. We've all got unbelief. I said all of us have prayed prayers knowing that it was a waste of time for us to do so. I've done it. Everyone in here has done it. <clears throat> because of unbelief. But when we detect that unbelief in our lives, when we detect that, I, I've said before, could God heal me of diabetes? A disease I've carried around for 40 years. Could God heal me of that? Of course he can. God's all powerful. Will he heal it? That's up to him. I personally don't think so. That he will. Not that he can't. That he will. Does that have anything to do with my unbelief? It may and it may not. How would my unbelief affect that? Because I've depended on man to keep me alive for the past 40 years. I've depended on syringes. I've depended on, I've actually depended on pigs to keep me alive for the first 10 years of me being diagnosed with that. I used pork insulin. And then man-made insulin. Either way, I've depended on man to keep me alive. And to this day, I depend on this pump on my side. Hey, folks, without insulin going on me, I'm dead. I'm dead. And I depend on that. So is it because of my unbelief that God hasn't healed me? No. I believe it was the very, well, maybe not the last time I preached, but I know I preached it not long ago. Right up here in John chapter 9, Jesus healed a blind man. He told the disciples, he said, this man has not sinned either of his parents' sin, but this man is blind. This man is suffering what he is, that the works of God may be manifest in him. Folks, the works of God may be manifest in me and may be manifest in you because of whatever elements that you might be suffering. The works of God the ailment in this boy right here and he was suffering this that the work of God could be manifest in him remember it wasn't just the scribes and it wasn't just the uh, just the disciples there was a multitude of people that was gathered around here as this was going on this passage of scripture that we were reading there were there were uh, untold numbers of people that were gathered around and the work of God was manifest in this boy that had been demon possessed for who knows how long the work of God was manifest in his life. The father says, I believe, help them my unbelief. When Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. Hey, praise God. Jesus Christ not only cast the spirit out, but he told the spirit, he demanded of the spirit, and he commanded the spirit not to ever enter into that boy again. Praise God. When God saved me, he put the Holy Spirit within me. He cast out all that was filthy. He cast out all that was nasty. He done some house cleaning in my heart and in my body and in my soul. And he cast out that filth and he moved the Holy Spirit within me and he dared the other things to come back. Hallelujah. Amen. Holy Spirit will let you know when that stuff starts creeping in. The Holy Ghost will let you know if your eyes have stayed fixed on something they shouldn't have stayed fixed on too long. If your mind has been fixed on something that it shouldn't have been fixed on for too long. The Holy Ghost of God will let you know that. It says, <coughs> Now deaf, dumb, deaf and dumb spirit. This is significant. 
find about it in your Bibles, but the priests of the day, the priests in this time, thought that it was impossible, and the Pharisees as well, thought that it was impossible to cast out a demon if you didn't find out the demon's name. And it was a deaf and dumb spirit. So it was impossible to find out the name of a demon if it was dumb and didn't speak. So in their eyes, in the Pharisees and in the priests' eyes, and I'm assuming in the scribes' eyes as well, it was impossible for this demon to be cast out. In their eyes, it was impossible. But what did Christ tell this Father? Praise God, he said, if thou believest, all things are possible. Thou deaf and dumb spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, he is dead. This goes back to what we were talking about a few verses ago, when the, when the father was describing uh, the ailments that this boy was suffering, and he said that he pineth, meaning that he wastes away, he's withering away, he grows weak in this. Hey folks, this was this, this was this unclean spirit, this was this devil's last opportunity to inflict some hurt on this boy. It says that he ran him sore and he hurt the child as he was coming out. It says the spirit cried and ran him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead in so much that many said he is dead. Everybody around looked at this looked at this boy that was laying on the ground. They said he's dead. There ain't nothing that can be done for him now. And can you imagine the, the, the accusing looks that Jesus Christ was getting after all this happened and after all was said and all was done this boy's laying there everyone thinks that they're dead but it says but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose it doesn't say that Jesus took him and yanked him up and sat him upright and kept him standing there it says he reached down and he took him by the hand and he pulled him up and he arose the boy arose all on his own hey that boy wasn't dead but he had just had a demon cast out of him, hey folks, uh, do you remember how relieving it was when you got saved, whether it was in the morning, whether it was in the evening, do you remember the weight that was taken off of you, I ain't saying that you wanted to lay down and sleep, but it was a relieving feeling when God moved in and evil moved out, this boy here just had an evil spirit cast out of him. It says he rent him sore. And everybody around says thought he was dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up. Same thing he's done with me. Same thing he's done with me. How many people in my family thought? There ain't no hope for Spencer. There ain't no help, hope for that drunk. There ain't no help for that atheist. There ain't no help for that whatever else they could say about me. And every bit of it was true. How many people said, there ain't no hope. I ain't even going to pray anymore. But Jesus grabbed me by the hand. Jesus took my hand. And he pulled me up. And I rose. And it, but it was only through the help and through the aid and, and through the blood of Jesus Christ that I could do any of those things. Otherwise, I'd be laying there and everybody around me would be saying, he's dead. There ain't no hope for him. Ain't nothing to be done. But when Jesus rose, took me up, uh, or lifted me up, I rose. When he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we, why could not we cast him out? 
Notice they didn't ask him this while they were out yonder, while they were out in front of everybody. Says they asked him privately. Now listen, there was things going on, and I understand that, and I get that. There's all kinds of things uh, going on, all kinds of actions taking place. Maybe they didn't have the opportunity, or maybe they were embarrassed. Maybe they were embarrassed that they couldn't do the casting out, that they couldn't do what Jesus had given them power to do. Maybe. And he said on them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Folks, how often do we put our own efforts into stuff without prayer, without fasting? When you fast, biblically, fasting was going without food. But it goes further than that. You say, I'm going to fast unto the Lord. I'm going to fast for religious purposes three times this week. And all you do is skip a meal. All you do is starving yourself. That's not fasting. If you're not taking that time that you would be using to eat, fasting don't have to be there. If you don't take that time, you'd be using to watch a ball game or to listen, listen to the radio, watch TV, Whatever it is you're doing, like Andy Crush, if you don't use the time that you have said, I'm going to fast instead of doing this, I'm going to pray to God. I'm going to spend time with God. If you're just skipping that and going on about your life and doing something else that pleases your flesh, all you're doing is denying yourself of that little pleasure that you got out of something worldly. I ain't saying ball games is simple. I ain't saying Candy Crush is simple. I ain't saying TV is simple. I ain't saying any of that. But I'm saying if when you proclaim to be fasting, if you're not spending that time with God, you are not fasting. That's what fasting is. And Jesus here says this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. That tells me that the disciples hadn't been praying as they should. And they hadn't been fasting as they should. I think that's exactly what Jesus Christ was telling them. He said, y'all got so called up to this. What did Jesus tell them there in the gospel? He said, rejoice not that you have power over the devils, but rejoice that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Rejoice that your name's written in heaven. That's why we rejoice. Not because we have power over unclean spirits. Not, not because of anything like that, but because God saved our soul. And he wrote my name in a book that no man can climb up there and erase. Amen. And no devil can climb up there and erase. Nobody can go up there and tear that page out of his book. Hey, it's up there. And God is the best guard that I can think of over his book and over, over the Lamb's book of life. My name is there. God put it there. And I rejoice in that fact. Amen. <laughs> but if I do pray. And nothing happens. And I pray earnestly. And I pray fervently. We all know the, 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 the James chapter 5, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Makes you feel like you're not very effectual or fervent in your prayer. And maybe not very righteous and nothing happens. But folks, it's not that God don't hear. Maybe God's doing exactly what Christ was doing with the disciples here. Pray more. Fast more. 
My goodness, what better time to spend throughout your day than in prayer to God? And I understand some of us got jobs. I understand we got other things going on. I get that. When Paul wrote to the Thessalonians to pray without ceasing, he wasn't saying to spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week on your knees, but constantly have an attitude of prayer. Constantly have God on your mind. Constantly be able and willing to go to God with whatever comes across your path throughout the course of the day. This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. I believe Jesus was honestly telling these disciples, you ain't been doing what you should have. And sometimes I think that our prayers don't get answered because we shouldn't we ain't been praying like we should have. Mm -hmm. I know that's the case with me. I haven't prayed. I haven't spent as much time with the, with God as I have. And sometimes, sometimes, folks, God just wants you to pray more. Sometimes that reason don't follow you why your prayer ain't getting answered. God will answer in His due time. God will answer when He's ready to. God bless y'all. That's the message. I appreciate your attention.